Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown, 49ers. For the first time since 2014, the 49ers have a three-game winning streak, this time beating the Tennessee Titans on a Robbie Gold last-second field goal, and Al, Jimmy G has done it again. And this game, to me, was a measuring stick, because, listen, the first two wins with Grappolo were, were great. They go on the road, they beat the Bears, they beat the Texans, great wins, the team looked completely different. But the Bears and the Texans aren't exactly great teams. I wanted to see how this team was going to respond against the playoff team. And while the Titans, I don't think they're as good as their 8-5 and record would indicate, they're still a playoff team. Even after the loss to the 49ers, they're still in the playoffs right now. And this was a game the past few years in in the pre-Harbaugh era. This type of team would would kill the 49ers. The Niners would lose this game 27-10 to or or 30-13. to You know, it wouldn't be close. Or it would be close in the beginning, and and the other team would, would take a big lead in the second half. So I wanted to see what was going to happen. And what happened was an offense that scored on every possession except one and a defense that played well enough in a clutch comeback at the end, some clutch kicks, some clutch plays, a receiver continues to ascend. And all of a sudden, this is looking like a team that's going to be a playoff team next year once they, they can fill a few holes and more measuring sticks to come. But wow, wow, great win. Yeah, it was really a, a complete team win. The defense stepped up at the end and... Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo is the big story, but Robbie Gold kicked six field goals. I mean, the guy was just nails. By the time he was out for his last field goal, I'm like, they're going to they're gonna win. There's no way that he misses this. So the confidence, I feel like, under at least under Kyle Shanahan, this regime, the confidence is that is that a complete high right now. It's never been higher with this group. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to yeah, do. It's, against- it's definitely a good, exciting time right now to be a, to be a 49ers fan. And we'll definitely see where it goes with Jacksonville because another tough defense and in the Rams at the end of the season, but it's good. And the vibe, the vibe around the fans has changed and the vibe in the buildings changed. And who else better to talk about the vibe in the building than someone who's actually in the building. And that's our buddy, Joe fan. Who's on the show today. Always fun to have Joe on. And here he is. Always good to have him with us. He's the senior reporter for the San Francisco 49ers and 49ers studios. Our buddy, Joe fan, Joe, how's it going? Hey, fellas, good to be back. Uh, appreciate you uh, having me on again. Oh, no worries. It's, al- it's always fun to talk to you. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and the impact he's had because he's th- the hot topic right now. But before we get into that, a big story I think that isn't being talked about enough is what an amazing job John Lynch and Adam Peters and the rest of the front office have done at picking up players late in the draft as undrafted free agents, guys who are waived, guys like Colbert, Taylor, Kittle, Bourne, Brita, Day, Marsh, I can go on and on. Curious to hear your thoughts on, on how that's all transpired. I think it's pretty impressive. And, and to think this group kind of got a late start, you know, I and mean, ultimately, I guess John Lynch kept a lot of the scouting staff that was already here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible finds. And it's stuff that you need. Is Those are guys that you need when you lose, you know, veterans throughout the season with injuries. I mean, look at what Kendrick Bourne has meant to this team just in that big win against the Titans. Uh, you know, he's getting that opportunity without Pierre Garçon on the field. Um, Matt Breida has been a stud throughout. I mean, all the talk was about Joe Williams didn't even make it to week one uh, with that ankle injury. And all of a sudden, Matt Breida, is, you know, has really been, um, you know, that 1A to Carlos Hyde. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a huge kudos to them, especially John Lynch in a brand new role. But to me, it starts with, um, you know, John Lynch, the second he got the job, his approach really impressed me in terms of, 
I know what I don't know. And I'm going to surround myself with people that can fill those voids. And so he went and got Adam Peters. He went and got Martin Mayhew. And so all of a sudden, this guy's surrounded with a brain trust, um, you know, that really supplements John Lynch's leadership ability and instincts as a football guy and his football acumen. So uh, I think it started there and it's only paid off. And you're really seeing it throughout the roster. Um, a lot of really great finds. I mean, Greg Maben's a guy who, you know, might have been starting this week if his calf was healthy. He got hurt last week in practice, but you saw what the impact he had against DeAndre Hopkins when he came in the second half against the Texans. So, yeah, certainly hats off on, on a number of levels for that front office. And, Joe, they've also done a really good job at free agency and hit an absolute home run with Marquise Goodwin. And Goodwin's closing in on 1,000 yards. I believe he's 102 yards short. So he's kind of coming into his own, especially while dealing with the tragedy of losing his child and also his father over the past week. Um, can you kind of talk about how Marquise has grown this season? Yeah, I mean, you knew it was going to be a learning process for Marquise. I mean, he's never had the opportunity in Buffalo. And, and granted, even the second they signed him here, he was going to be, you know, slotted into that number two receiver role. He was going to be an every down player and, you know, have a lot of opportunity to prove that he wasn't just a one trick pon pony and a go route specialist. You saw that time and time again in, in training camp in the preseason where he was just fantastic. I mean, I'm telling you, he tore up training camp unlike any you know offensive player I've seen in my three years here. So I was real excited about him. I was I was definitely, you know, on that bandwagon for sure. And, you know, it, it makes sense that when, you know, the season came, there were some growing pains and you know, a couple of drops that he wanted back. And I think, he, you know, he took those really hard, um, you know, where Kyle Shanahan was saying he had to learn how to work through those mistakes. And so, um, but granted, I think he also, he, he struggled with inconsistent quarterback play, um, you know, and, and Brian Hoyer, you know, I loved the guy. I mean, he was a really good dude. And, you know, from what I saw in training camp, man, I was eager to see what he would look like, you know, never, you know, not necessarily thinking he was that future franchise quarterback, but, um, somebody that's going to be more than serviceable, um, you know, as a veteran leader in the, you know, during the season and he just wasn't flat out. Um, and so that hurt Marquise going a little bit, um, you know, CJ Beathard tough as nails, um, really gained the respect of the locker room, but, but still a rookie quarterback. And so um, you've seen what having Jimmy Garoppolo under center has meant for Marquise Goodwin. And I don't think necessarily all of a sudden he's miraculously better these last three weeks. I think we're getting to see, you know, what he's grown into now that he's got a guy who can deliver him the ball consistently. And as far as Garoppolo, I don't remember the last time a player came in this late in the season and had the impact on a franchise that he's had on the 49ers. Are you shocked that he's been able to do what he has considering he's been on the team less than two months? I'll take that one further, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, can you think of a quarterback of his caliber that's been traded midseason ever? Um, yeah, no, not really. No, no, never. I mean, that is how wild this situation is that you know, the fact that a franchise quarterback or potential franchise quarterback really landed in the laps of the 49ers. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And, and again, kudos to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan for creating those good relationships around the league and, um, you know, being able to, to pull that off. But I mean, that's incredible, you know, like there's no other way to spin it. I mean, it's truly, um, you know, I think it's, it's some good fortune and, you know, I believe that you make your own luck, but I think there's certainly some luck involved. Um, and you know what, that's what happens when you're on a rebuild. You have to have some, you know, you have to be able to catch some breaks and it sounds like the 49ers, it looks like the 49ers that have caught one with Jimmy Garoppolo in a huge way, the most important position in sports. So, you know, it's gigantic. I think 
he's been amazing. Um, you know, I think one tweet I saw on Sunday after they beat the Titans was, uh, it was from Evan Silva of Roto World. He said it took Matt Ryan one year to master Kyle Shanahan's offense with Julio Jones as his number, as his number one receiver. It took Garoppolo one month with, uh, uh, with Marquise Goodwin as his number one receiver. I mean, that was really telling. And that's not to say that mm-hmm. Grapple is a finished product. I mean, he's going to have his bad games. You saw, you know, Marquise Goodwin saved him from a couple of interceptions. This guy's a risk taker. He's going to have some bad games, you know, some two, three interception games. But the thing I like about him is, he, you know, he's confident in his decisions. He trusts what he sees and he's willing to take that chance in order to make a play. And you see it pay, you know, you've seen it paid off, you know, quite a few times over these last three weeks. And one of the things that Kyle Shanahan wanted in a quarterback is a guy that was fearless and would kind of hang in the pocket and make those throws. And I don't think we thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy at the time that he said it. Everybody was thinking Kirk Cousins. So this thing kind of kind of happened out of nowhere. Yeah, 100% came out of nowhere. I mean, I can't imagine that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan woke up on Halloween and said, uh, oh, you know what? Let, you know, Before the deadline, let's, let's just acquire Jimmy Garoppolo. I think this truly came out of nowhere. I think Patriots realized that, um, you know, this was coming to a head where, you know, they had to get rid of him um, to make sure they didn't get nothing. And uh, the 49ers were the benefactor. I mean, granted, it helps. The 49ers were 1-9 and nine at the time. and um, Or what was it? No, they were 0-9. 0-8 oh oh or 0-9. Oh they didn't have a win yet. So it's looking like, you know, it's the first pick of the second round. So, uh, you know, granted, they have draft capital to trade. Um, but, yeah, I would think this absolutely came out of nowhere. That would be my guess. I mean, I, it's pure speculation. I mean, I haven't had a chance to talk with Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch about the details of the trade. It's kind of been hush-hush. Um, but it doesn't really feel like this was something that was in the works for quite some time. I mean, you heard John Lynch say we called in the offseason, and it was a non-starter with the Patriots. So, um, obviously, that changed. And, and I think the Patriots are the ones that reached out, and you know, 49ers happily accepted. And Joe, you're you're in the building every day, and you talk to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. How, if at all, has has that vibe changed since Jimmy Garoppolo arrived? I, I mean, just having a quarterback changes everything. I mean, I, I just said it was, you know, it's the most important position in sports for a reason. You mm-hmm. look at this team. What's changing on the roster? One guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so when you hear guys like Joe Staley and Daniel Kilgore tell you that you know this team's not as far away as you think it might be. Um, you know, this is kind of evidence to that. And, you know, I was saying this on our live show on Monday, you know, people want to put a timestamp on how long a rebuild is going to last, um, which I don't really buy into because you're kind of in a constant state of, you know, perpetually rebuilding as long as you're still looking for a quarterback. The second you're not looking for a quarterback anymore, it really changes everything. And so, uh, you know, I think that's huge. And so, I mean, I think everyone in the locker room understands that it's changed the timeline a little bit. Um, you know, I think there's no reason why the 49ers can't compete for, you know, contend for a playoff spot next year. And I mean, especially with going into an offseason with $100 million in cap space and all the draft capital they have, why not? You know, the second you have a quarterback, it just changes everything. I think it's, you know, to me, it's that simple. In contract-wise, do you think a long-term deal is a lock or, or might we see a franchise tag? I don't think anything's a lock. I don't think they know yet. I think the franchise tag is certainly possible. And John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been open about that since they've traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, they might try a two-year bridge contract to you know, kind of what Sam Bradford got in Philadelphia. Um, and they might just decide, you know what, we've seen everything we need. You know, let's back up the Brinks truck and get it done now because, you know, we, we want to make sure that this guy's here for a long time. So um, I have no idea. I don't, again, I don't think they know either. I'm sure they're, you know, different things that they have in their head that they would like, but you know, it's a two way street and we've got to figure out what Jimmy Garoppolo wants as well. And uh, I don't think we know that yet. 
And looking at the defensive side of the ball, DeForest Buckner is kind of coming into his own this season, his second year. What are some differences that you've seen from year one to year two? Uh, just confidence, a uh, bigger arsenal of moves. Um, you know, a year with a, you know an NFL strength and conditioning program, and you know, getting yourself more equipped for you know battling in the trenches. I think it, it obviously helps. Um, you know, you've really seen him. I, you know, he's a very mature guy coming in, but. Um, you know, there's more of that expectation on himself that, you know, he needs to be that guy making plays and he's had an interesting season. You know, I think his, his season has mirrored the 49ers in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of what ifs, what could have been, what should have been, you know, even, um, you know, with the 49ers had five straight games with three, you know, losing by three points or less. And Buckner, I think was like what top five in pressures between, uh, among NFL interior defensive linemen. And yet he went into last week's game with one and a half sacks, two and a half sacks, whatever the number was. I mean, so. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't, his disruption is yet to turn into, um, you know, statistics on the box score. And so I think, you know, until that comes, those numbers come, he's not going to get the respect he deserves in terms of Pro Bowl votes and all that. Um, but yeah, you've seen him be a disruptive force pretty much in every game this season. Um, he's an absolute bear to block one-on-one. He's been impressive in the run game. And so he's only going to get better. I mean, he's just scratching the surface, in my opinion. Um, you know, there's no reason why that guy can't turn into one of the predominant interior defensive linemen in the NFL. I think he's on his way right now. And we know this is a young team, but I feel like people forget this is a young coaching staff too. Kyle Shanahan is obviously a first-time head coach. Robert Salah, for example, is a first-time defensive coordinator. What's your overall impression on the job the staff has done this year, especially considering the adversity they fought through early on? I think the ability of Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff to keep the locker room together and really unwavering throughout a nine game losing streak to open the season to me speaks volumes about the coaching staff that's in place. Um, you know, when you see the hoopla after the first win against the giants and guys going crazy in the locker room led by Joe Staley, you know, that to me speaks volumes about where this team is at. And And it tells me that there was not even any sort of, hint that Kyle Shanahan was losing the locker room, which is, again, I think surprising given the fact that that's a commonplace for a team that's mm-hmm. losing, you know, guys segment themselves, they start pointing fingers. Um, and that was part of the reason why they brought in guys like Jerry Rice and, and Steve Young at the beginning of the season to say, Hey guys, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you have your brothers back and your teammates back. And, you know, when the defense is playing bad, the offense can't point fingers. And the offense turns the ball over, defense can't point fingers, right? You have to truly be there, and you have to know that your teammates are going to be there for you. And so um, in, in just one season, less than a calendar year since Shanahan arrived, um, I think it's impressive how much the culture has changed. And that starts with cleaning house a little bit. I mean, you know, they got guys in here who, you know, are their kind of guys, football guys, so to speak, the overused term, but but the apt term that, John Lynch continues to refer to, um, you know, they got their guys in here who, who were bought in from day one. And then everyone who was on the roster was kind of that, you know, buy in or move on mentality. And, um, you know, they, they were quick to, if, if things didn't fit and if it was detracting from where the team was headed and, um, you know, not a part of the future, they didn't hesitate to make tough decisions. You saw that with Richard Robinson, you saw that with Navarro Bowman and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, time will tell how those decisions play out, but I think you've got to respect a group especially like you said, a first time head coach, first time GM, first time defensive coordinator who are willing to make confident decisions and not look back because when you're in those positions and making tough calls, you can't waver and you can't hesitate. 
um, and they've been very impressive in that regard. All right, Joe, before we let you go, one of the more entertaining things on 49ers.com, 49ers Studios, is the carpool karaoke. And for those who may not be familiar with it, it's basically Joe driving around with the with the 49ers player and singing songs around the radio. It's hilarious. I got to know, how does that idea come up? Is that something you pitch? Does that get pitched to you? How, how do you guys work through that and it ultimately comes through to fruition? Yeah, man, it's been a team effort. Uh, our production team is unbelievable. Our digital staff is unbelievable. And so we used to do it... Um, kind of in front of like old lockers like uh, kind of so we did sit on stools and look across each other and do this one-on-one every week and it was still presented by toyota and it's actually uh my boss our director of digital meg ryan and i was like let's get you in a car this year and just whatever see what happens and so pulled it off um you know it worked out toyota was all in on it and um so each week i you know i go to our public relations staff and, and you know give them a, a couple of players i'd like to get in and you know, varied up between carpool karaoke, you know, with the guy we don't really know, really know well yet, you know, kind of like Adrian Culver, people are eager to just get to know, you know, just wanted to chat with him and, and so fans can, can get to know him. And then, you know, playing carpool or not carpool karaoke, but a uh, cash cab with Marquise Goodwin and, and Cal mm-hmm. Juszczyk, just trying to change it up a little bit and have some fun. You know, we got all the specialists in there one week and, um, you know, it's funny. I think, I think the players have been into it as well because we kind of usually go right after practice. So everyone walks by and it's like, Oh, who's in it this week? Or, you know, I want to do that. So, it's been really fun, um, and the response has been fun from the fans. And so, uh, we've got a, we've actually got a good one. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to tease anything yet, but we've got a real good one this week. I think people are going to enjoy. Joe, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, Joe. Hey, Al Zane, I, I appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. We'll chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Happy holidays, fellas. All right. Thanks again to Joe Fan. I'll, always fun to have Joe on. He's a great guy. Love talking to him about the 49ers. So. All right, getting into this game here, I thought one of the big stats to me, we always talk about this offensive line and how hard it's been for the offense to function because of the offensive line. And we mentioned last week that while the offensive line has had struggles, they're getting a bad rap because a lot of it is the quarterback play. The quarterback isn't getting rid of the ball. The quarterback's holding the ball. The quarterback's not making the right reads. Quarterback's not accurate. It's been a lot of the issues here for a long time. And I thought it was interesting, according to Pro Football Focus, when blitzed in week 15, Jimmy Garoppolo was 16 of 23 for 214 yards and a 98.8 passer rating. When he was actually under pressure, he was 12 of 15 for 135 yards in a 104.2 rating. That's really good. That's the quarterback making up for issues on the offensive line. We haven't seen that on this team in a while, and it was constant, oh, we can't do anything without the offensive line. Yeah, that's true to an extent. But now what you're seeing is a quarterback who can make plays in spite of the pressure. And, you know, teams can't blitz guys like Tom Brady because he makes them pay for it. And and Garoppolo looks like he's going to be the same type of quarterback. He went up and down the field again this week. And I guess if you want to nitpick, you can point to the fact that they're not scoring touchdowns. Well, he's been on the team for a month and a half. Eventually, these field goals are going to turn into touchdowns. He's he's going up and down the field. He did have a couple throws that you were kind of like, oh, that as Joe mentioned, Marquise Goodwin saved him on. And one of the throws, it looked like he had pressure coming from the right side. I think it was from Zane Beatles, and the pressure wasn't quite there yet. And he sort of maybe felt it a little too early and, and threw off his back foot. And that was one in the end zone where Goodwin had to knock it out of out of the cornerback's hands. So there's still a few plays like that. Um, but again, as, as he gets experience and plays, that stuff will get cleaned up. So again, a really, really impressive performance from the new 49ers franchise quarterback. I feel like this was his most complete game that he's put together since he's got here. He was able to read the defense 
I mean, the, the throws that he made and the reads that he was making, this is this looked like a guy that was in this offense for five years. Like, it doesn't look like a guy that's been, been here for one month. He was phenomenal. He was great. And when he got the ball back with a minute seven left and a timeout, when the 49ers got the start of that drive, I had no doubt in my mind that they would go down and kick the game-winning field goal. Like, it was just, I, I don't remember the last time I've had that kind of confidence. And as I said in the open, this is the, the first time since 2014 that the 49ers have had a three-game winning streak. And it, it just, Al, it just feels different. It, the, the vibe around the team feels different. There were more people in the stadium. The players are all energized. You have a quarterback who's executing the playbook the, the way it was intended to be executed. They're slowly starting to open up the playbook and, and call more plays. And Kyle Shanahan seems to be getting more comfortable with Jimmy as, as his quarterback. I, I really feel like as time goes on, you'll see more of his, his full skill set. Right now, you're kind of seeing the fundamentals and the things that, that, and some of the intangibles that you can't really teach, like how to read a defense and sensing pressure and pocket presence and all of those things. Like all those things are on display. The mechanical stuff will come late. The Marquise Goodwin kind of build him out on. I think those, those things will come with time. Once he sees the film and, and is able to diagnose these things a little bit earlier, those things will come with time and experience. But as far as like raw talent and, and intelligence and all of those things, he looks like a guy who's been here for several years. I was saying that everybody was excited. Joe Staley, super pumped. And he's a guy who's, who's been through the glory years with Harbaugh and who's been to a Super Bowl in three straight championship games. And, and he mentioned a few weeks ago that the vibe in the building right now is similar to those years, which is, which is saying a lot. And I don't know if you saw this, but our friend Kevin Jones tweeted that there's, a anonymous, there's an anonymous free agent wide receiver that had mentioned maybe coming to the 49ers next year, asking what it was like out here and saying that Jimmy G was balling out. It, that's kind of just the Jimmy G effect. That's what happens when you have a franchise quarterback and when he's performing. I really feel like this past week, like you said, was a measuring stick game and they, and they absolutely passed that test. This is a game that you wouldn't expect the 49ers to win with, with, with all due respect, Brian Hoyer and CJ Beathard. It's not a game you expect to win with them. But coming into this game, both of us actually picked the 49ers to win. And it's it just an all-out team effort. Like I, I, we'll, get to, we'll get to the defense later, but they, they played a heck of a game as well. But obviously the story, Al, is, is Jimmy G. In the, the big stat for me, and this is courtesy of a Nick, Nick Wagoner, um, before Garoppolo took over as 49ers starting quarterback, the offense was converting 34.1% of their third downs. And that was 26 in the NFL. And how many times did we see third and seven and you get a three yard pass? It was frustrating. And you almost expected if it was third and in, in anything remotely long, that the team was punting and that's what was happening. Now with Garoppolo, they're converting 44.2% of their third downs, which is six in the NFL. And it's crazy. Now when it's third and eight, 39, no one's third and 10. I'm like, okay, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's go. Cause the quarterback's going to throw for a first down. At least it feels that way. Um, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. The difference that he's made. And one of the people that have been, um, most benefited from that has been Mark Marquise Goodwin and Goodwin has 897 receiving yards through 14 games right now. That's already more than Michael Crabtree had in five of his six seasons in San Francisco. It's incredible. Wow. He's the 14th leading receiver in the NFL right now. 14th most yards and last year the Niners leading leading receiver was Jeremy Curley he finished 64th in yards so what you're seeing is and listen for Goodwin if you listen to the show you you know that I said in the beginning of the season I'm like I don't, I don't know about Marquise Goodwin he's coming to the season his catch percentage was low we didn't really do anything in Buffalo I'm like can you really count on this person and what you've seen is him grow you've seen him grow into a really good player a player that is now part of the future 
I wouldn't doubt if they extended him. He's on a two-year deal. I would not doubt if he gets an extension this mm-hmm. offseason. He's been that good, and he's developed that well. He's got a great rapport with Garoppolo, and he is right now far and away the 49ers' number one receiver. It's been great to see. So with Marquise Goodwin, Al, I didn't see this coming at all. This kind of came out of nowhere. It kind of was a situation where I thought he was going to be like a like just a deep threat, a kind of one-trick pony type of guy, like a two, three, four type of receiver. And since Jimmy Garoppolo got here, it's completely changed. Like he's he's coming into his own and through all of that dealing with personal tragedy of losing his child and also losing his father within a one month span, which is just absolutely terrible news. And it just goes to goes to his character and shows how strong of a person he is. And I think that's the type of guy you want on your team. Not only a guy that produces on the field, but a guy with with really strong character that you can kind of get to lead the other the other younger players on the team. So super, super happy with how Marquise Goodman has, has performed. And I, I hope he gets that thousand yards. He's really close. He's 103 yards away. I, I think he'll get it. He's got a tough, a tough go of it this week with the number one defense of Jacksonville. But I think if, if he can just get to that, that plateau, I think personally, that'll be a big accomplishment for him for, uh, as a free agent and, and would be a message to kind of other free agents that, Hey, we can, we can get the most out of you here. And I think that it's, it's kind of a, a multiple layer thing. If he, if he can reach that plateau. And he's not the only one benefiting. We're seeing Garrett Selleck now really starting to play well. He's got 67 yards um, against the Texans. He had 63 against the, the Titans, and he's had a touchdown each of the last two weeks. He's he's really coming into his own. He is another guy who, again, looks like he, you know somebody you want around next year. And it's interesting. We're starting to see other people step up a little bit. Trent Taylor had a good game a couple weeks ago. He, he's playing well for a rookie. George Kittle, too. And it may seem that they're having kind of quiet rookie seasons. They haven't had a lot of like big wow moments, but they're both in the top 10 in terms of receptions for rookies and, and Kittle, especially. I mean, if you think, I think if you ask a 49ers fan, well, what kind of season has George Kittle had? You'd say, Oh, it's been a little quiet. But when you think about rookie tight ends, he's actually had an excellent rookie season. Mm-hmm. He is the ninth most receptions of any rookie right now at 36. And he's got the second most of any rookie tight end behind Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram has 63. He, Ingram's having a great year. But Kittle's got more receptions than um, O.J. Howard from Tampa Bay, who was a first-round pick. Howard's got 25. And David, uh, you got to help me with the last name here, Njoku. Is that, is that how I say his last name? Njoku, um, yeah. He's yeah. Got, Njoku, all right. And he, he's got 29 receptions, and he was another first-round pick. So Kittle's really having a nice season. And is it the grapple effect? Sure. But, but Taylor and Kittle were you know, kind of pitching in even before. So, again, we mentioned it talking to Joe that these guys that – Shan, I'm sorry, that Lynch and Peters and company have brought in these late round picks, these undrafted free agents, these, these guys are on the waiver wire. They're really contributing. And while I don't know that you're going to see any of them become stars, a lot of them look like starters or at least significant role players. It's it really just did an excellent job bringing in talent here. And they, they started this new thing with Selleck time. And the, the team seems to love that. Every time Garrett Selleck catches a touchdown, the team goes crazy. And he was he was just a blocking tight end now. He wasn't he wasn't like a red zone threat. And now all of a sudden he's got four touchdowns and he seems like a reliable target for Jimmy Garoppolo in the red zone. So I'm super happy about about the emergence of that because if you can get some of these guys to emerge on your team without having to spend in free agency and spend draft capital, that's huge, especially for a rebuilding team. So I, I'm thrilled about the fact that they're actually utilizing some of these guys, like and utilizing their skill sets. Trent Taylor at times is unguardable. He did have that big drop uh, in the, this last week, but aside from that, he's been a, he's been a pretty reliable target since Jimmy Garoppolo came in. And 
George Kittle, he has he has a catch in every single game this year. People don't know that. Like you said, people think that he he's been he's been pretty quiet as a rookie, but he's he's caught the ball every single game this year from three different quarterbacks. So I think that it's pretty in terms of in terms of getting the future set up and in terms of getting these guys permanent positions on this roster, I think it's pretty bright. And I'm excited to see what Kyle Shanahan does once he learns their strengths and weaknesses, because we have to remember when you get a, when you get a rookie or a new player and the coach is also kind of learning that player's strengths and weaknesses. So once Kyle Shanahan has a chance to get a full off season with these guys and, and, and develop a scheme that fits them, like, Hey, Al, Kyle Shanahan is so good at scheming. He could probably scheme me open for a 10 yard slant pass. In, yeah, in the first really? Like yep. he's, he's that good. So we're talking about the most, probably the brightest offensive mind in the game right now. And when you get that combination of a young roster and a really bright offensive mind, it's really the sky's the limit. So I, I'm super excited for all of these guys. And one more um, stat I wanted to throw about, out about Goodwin that I forgot. He's, if he gets 100 yards this weekend, he'll be the first 49ers wide receiver since Jerry Rice in 1995 to have three straight 100-yard games. And I thought T.O. might have done it. And T.O. had some crazy, you know, T.O. would get 100 yards five out of six weeks. He had some really nice runs. But he never did it three weeks in a row with the Niners. He did it five straight with the Eagles in 2004. But <laughs> when you think of Goodwin, again, think where Goodwin was six, seven weeks ago, catching one ball a game, two mm-hmm. balls a game, to think now that he's on his possibly a third straight week getting 100 yards, it's just absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, And I thought the defense, too, you know, they played well enough. And you and I were, were um, talking to, during, the, during the game, and in we hated what happened at the end of the half when the defense just kind of went back on their heels. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you saw the Niners had all the momentum and then the defense just kind of sits back on their heels and they let the, the, the Titans um, go down and score. And then all of a sudden they have momentum and the Niners lose momentum and it could have cost them the game. And it drives me crazy when defensive coordinators do that. It absolutely drives me crazy. Why do you sit back and let a team score? why you're worried about getting beat by a long pass. If you're aggressive, you're still letting them score by sitting back and letting them dick and dunk down the field. You're conceding three points in worst case scenario. If they get close enough, which the Titans did, you get a touchdown. So I hated seeing that. And again, Robert Sala, I think has done an excellent job this year, but I kind of thought he had a bit of a rough game at times um, in terms of calling some things. So was frustrated to see that. But again, the defense, did do enough in this game. And you saw, you know, Solomon Thomas made a, made a nice play on a, on a tackle um, in the red zone. And DeForest Buckner made a huge, Buckner played really well. Uh, he made a huge stop um, for the Niners to get the ball back. So good enough on defense. And like you said, we, we were kind of going back and forth about the, the end of the half thing. And the Titans ended up scoring 10 unanswered points because they also got the ball in the second half and they kicked a field goal on that first drive. So it, I really feel like, you have to kind of understand the game situation, especially with Tennessee getting the ball in the second half. That's kind of where the momentum shifted to the Titans. And I'm not a big fan of this death by a thousand paper cuts. I'm not a big fan of that. Like John Baden used to say the prevent defense doesn't prevent anything. So mm-hmm. I, I thought that they should have played more aggressive. I thought that should have brought more heat. They should have brought more pressure at the end of the half, because like you said, what, what's the biggest thing that can happen? They can, they can burn you for a touchdown, which is what they did anyways. And on top of that, they didn't leave any time on the clock. So the 49ers didn't get a chance to respond like those end of the half scores are so critical in a close game. Like usually the team that scores at the end of the half in a close game will be the team to win because that's something that the, the opposing team doesn't have an answer for. Cause you go into, you go into halftime then. 
So I, I, I didn't think that the scheme was, was all that great, to be honest, this, this past game. I, I know that, that they obviously won the game, but defensively, I thought that they could have been better. Now, mind you, they have a lot of injuries in the secondary. Like we're talking about guys that are pretty much playing that have been signed from the practice squad and off the street. Yeah. It's I, I think that part of it is necessity, Al. I don't think it's it's just the fact that they that he's playing that way because he wants to. I think that it's the fact that there's a lot of young guys out there and and maybe they're not ready to to play as aggressive and he wants them to learn the fundamentals first. Cause we have to remember that this it's not about the season. It's about building for next season and beyond. Like this is a learning experience for everybody, including the coaches. So as, as heated as I got during the game, the fact that the 49ers won kind of takes, takes away some of that. But I really hope that Robert Sala kind of learned, learned a little bit from the game and like learned the limitations of his scheme and, and is able to, to bring that forward. And that's a great point about the secondary because they, they do have guys, you know, basically off the street right now, their top cornerback was inactive, you know, at the beginning of the season, he's, you know, as a rookie and developing Witherspoon. So that's going to be an area where I feel like they're going to adjust it in the off season and, and it will improve. Um, you know, one thing I, I wanted to talk about, I, I, I hear that here and there, I'll, I'll hear different things. Well, should we bring Vic Fangio back? You know, if, if um, John Fox gets, gets fired in Chicago and, and Fangio loses his job, should Fangio come back to the Niners? And I, I don't agree with that really. I feel like Salah is a young defensive coordinator and the guys are growing. These young guys are learning and growing in his system. And I think he's done a good job this year. And Fangio is great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of the Niners success in the Harbaugh years was due to the job Fangio did. He's outstanding, but I don't want to uproot anything right now. I, I don't feel like that's the way to go. I feel like you should stay with Salah and stay with the system and let these guys grow in the system. I don't think a coaching change makes sense. And like I said, when we were talking to Joe, this is a young coaching staff and, and this staff has to grow too. And there's going to be some bumps with the coaching along the way this year. We knew that and we've seen that it, and it'll get better. And, and I just feel the continuity is a better alternative than as great as Fangio is. To me, the, con- the continuity is more important right now. I love Vic Fangio. I thought that he was as big a part of those, those Harbaugh years as anybody, including Jim Harbaugh. Like that defense that he ran was was stout. It was fundamentally sound. Granted, they did have a lot of talent on that defense too, but he was able to utilize those guys to their best of their abilities. And and I had full confidence that when it came down to the wire, that the, his defense would be able to stop anybody and everybody. And for the most part, they did. But that being said, I'm with you, Al. You can't uproot what you have going on right now. You can't c- create some sort of uncertainty amongst a young team and a growing team for for no reason. I I I think that Robert Sala is a is a really good fit for what they want to do. Vic Fangio runs a completely different style of defense. He doesn't blitz a lot, doesn't bring a lot of pressure aside from the front four. The 49ers aren't there yet. They don't bring enough pressure with their front four. So I think that Robert could fit. The 49ers are strong up the middle in terms of having having good help at safety. Um they they've got an up and coming corner and Akela Weatherspoon. So for what they want to do and the way that the roster is built, it seems like it's better suited for Robert Sala. And, and I, and I think that it just doesn't make any sense to bring Vic Fangio back. I, I don't, I, I haven't heard any rumblings of it, but I, but I don't think it's a good idea regardless. I, f- I feel like Robert Sala is doing fine. He's learning on the job. He's a first time defensive coordinator, so he's going to have some hiccups, but I think that we should give him more, more than one year. Don't, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the Fangio thing is just, you know, he was with the 49ers. He's going to be for, does he come back? I, the stuff that you're going to hear gets floated out there. I don't think there's anything to it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
did want to talk about though as well the Pro Bowl selections and, and Kyle Juszczyk made the Pro Bowl. Congratulations, Kyle! You know he's yeah. starting to come around at the end of the year too. Good to see. And then the alternates were Joe Staley, Trent Brown, Robbie Gold. Who who I understand Zerline making it because Zerline's had a, had a crazy good year too. But Gold was just as deserving. He's been great. It's been fantastic. He's had as good of a run as a kicker as I can remember the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carlos Hyde was an alternate too, which surprised me a little bit because I don't know that he's really had a Pro Bowl season but hey you know good for you man you know <laughs> you're going to be a free agent at the end of this year um you know if you have a pro bowl on your resume that's good so the running game though zane was a little rough this week and and that it, with all the euphoria that's going on right now and then listen the, t- the titans have a great run defense but that's got to be a little bit of a concern they couldn't get anything going on the ground yeah and it feel it felt like jimmy Garoppolo had to carry this offense because, like you said, they couldn't get anything going. Carlos Hyde had a rough game. Brita also had a rough game as well. But I, re- I really think that that part of it is because of the offensive line, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But like you said, Carlos Hyde is he's kind of in an enigma, isn't he? Like he he can be great one week, and then the next week he'll be a complete non-factor, and he'll be great the next week, and the next week he's up. So he just doesn't really have that consistency yet that that the team needs. And who knows? He may have that in the future, right? He may become a, a, a reliable, like every give it to give it to him every down type of back. But right now, I just don't see that consistency. That being said, he's uh, Al. He's on the he's on pace for for a thousand yards. If he gets if he gets a hundred yards his last two games, he'll he'll have a thousand yard season. His first career thousand yard season. And I think that's that would be a very quiet thousand yard season because he's only mm-hmm. averaging he's only averaging three point nine yards a carry. So it's not like he's he's lighting the league on fire. It's just I, I feel like. He has a game or two where he has he has significant carries and he and he does pretty well, but then like three games in a row where he he's not really a contributor in the running game. So they're going to have to make a decision there, and it and it will be a tough decision because I feel like we talked about this last week. He's going to be most likely the best running back on the market in free agency, and there'll be there'll probably be a bidding war for him. And I'm not sure if the 49ers are going to want to get into that. So. Aside from him, I, I feel like Kyle Juszczyk, he's was an offensive weapon they called him when they signed him. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. So I feel like he's, hasn't quite he's been that, but no, no, he hasn't. But he's been good since since Jimmy Garoppolo got here. I feel like they're actually getting getting to use, utilize him as a pass catcher and, and a blocker a little bit more. And uh, you know, kudos to him for for making the Pro Bowl, and that's that's a big accomplishment, and and that's I think what they were hoping for when they signed him. So it, really, it just it just comes down to what they can get in the off season as far as an offensive line to open up some holes for these guys. Cause Al there's sometimes where there, there is no hole there. Like, like Brandon Fosco and, and Daniel Kilgore just getting blown up sometimes in the back, yeah. like three yards in the black backfield and Carlos Hyde has no chance. So it, it just, it's not just on the running backs. I feel like it's, it's on the offensive line as well. Yeah. And I'm a little nervous with this Jacksonville game coming up because Jacksonville's defense is just crazy good. In that front, you know, their their front seven and well, their whole defense is great. But you know, they can really put pressure on the quarterback, and and I'm worried about them blowing up the interior of that line. And to be honest with you, that's uh, that's why I don't think as good as the Niners are playing in Jacksonville. You know, is going to be on the road that'll that'll help the Niners. But I can't pick the Niners in this game because I think Jacksonville's defense is is too good. I hope I'm wrong, um, but I think they're going to put enough pressure on. Where it, it it's gonna it, it can make for a tough day for the Niners. Again, this is another measuring stick. If they go out and they move the ball up and down the field against Jacksonville, I'm not. I mean, how can you say anything 
other than that this offense has arrived, right? If, mm-hmm. if they do that, I, I think the offense has, has arrived anyway, but Jacksonville's as big of a measuring stick as there is defensive wise. So really, really, really interested to see how the Niners come out and in, in what they can do offensively against a team like the Jags, but I'm going to pick the Jags this week. And now the Jaguars have a chance to become the first team since 1991 to lead the league in least points allowed, least yards allowed, most turnovers created, and sacks. That hasn't happened since since the 90s, right? That's crazy. And they're the number one defense for a reason. In my opinion, Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the game. Like he's playing out of his mind right now. He's playing. He's un, he's unbelievable. So what they're going to do is they're going to put Jalen Ramsey on Marquise Goodwin, and that that really leaves it up to Kyle Shanahan to scheme some of the other guys open. Because his Jimmy Garoppolo's number one option is most likely going to be covered all day. And like you said, this is a measuring stick for the 49ers. Jacksonville is arguably the best team in the AFC. They're the number three seed right now. Pittsburgh's the number two seed. Jacksonville's already beaten Pittsburgh. So you can make the case that, that they're right behind New England as, as that number two seed. So it, it really comes down to what the 49ers can do to compete with the team that is going to the playoffs that will, that has won their division that will most likely go far in the playoffs because of their defense. I really think that, like you said, that this is a, a measuring stick game for them. This is kind of take that Titans game and move that up five or six notches because the Jaguars are a much better team. And what I'm looking for is uh, even if they don't win, I'm looking for them to compete. Like Al, when, when the 49ers were, were driving down for that last game winning field goal, I, I said to myself, I'm like, you know what? No matter what, I'm I'm happy with the, with the way that they played today because they hung in with a team that was superior to them. Granted, the Titans weren't as good as their record showed, but they were still superior on paper to the 49ers. So uh, I'm kind of that of that same attitude this week. Is I th- I think that Jacksonville will win, but I th- I feel like if the 49ers can keep it close and and kind of hang in there with them and and control the clock and keep that Jacksonville offense and Leonard Fournette and those good receivers off the field. I feel like they can have a chance to win this game. And, and with a few more players next year, you can expect them to win this type of game. Yeah, I would agree with all that. And I think Jacksonville is probably better than even getting credit for. I think they're a big threat in the AFC. I think they're a huge threat to the Patriots. I, yeah, I really Blake, do. Blake Bortles, the last three weeks, he's been he's been amazing. He's thrown seven touchdowns, yeah. no interceptions. He has, he has 120 plus quarterback rating. He's been great the last three weeks. They've taken the handcuffs off of him. So it'll be interesting to see what they do when they come in here. There's a lot of Harbaugh-era 49ers to them, I feel like, where you got that great defense and the really good running game and the quarterback that you just want to be good enough. You know, Just don't kind of screw anything up. Um, just make the smart throw. And, and Bortles has been doing, like I said, even more than that lately. He's been playing really, really well. So it will be interesting to see that. And I, I hope the Jags beat the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. You know that. Did you <laughs> see the call in the Patriots-Steelers uh, game there, the, the touchdown, not a touchdown at the end of the game? Oh man, and and this kind of segues into what kind of something I wanted to touch on, which which is the the league rules right now in the state of the league. Like, I I'll, I don't even know what a catch is anymore. Like, you catch the ball, you roll around three times, hop on one foot, do a somersault, and then it's then it's a completed pass. Like, what what are what is the league coming to in terms of of the rules? Like, you're like, it's clear that Jesse James caught that ball. It's clear, yes, the ball moved, but he never lost control of what a catch was. 15 to 20 years ago, like there were guys that would literally like catch the ball for a second and it would drop in the end zone and they'd call it, call it a touchdown. Like it, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Now that the reason why the league is declining in popularity is because of the fact that nobody knows the rules anymore. Like you can't, you, like, every time a big play happens, 
you are waiting to see whether this thing is reviewed and called a touchdown and all this stuff. It takes so much away from the game. It takes so much of the excitement away when you can't even mm-hmm. celebrate a catch or a touchdown or an interception right on the spot. Like you have to wait for this long review and all these things. It's just, it's just, there's just way too many, too many nitpicky rules right now. Yeah. And I agree with that. It's a huge reason why the league is losing popularity and it's, it's the fault of the rules. It's the fault of the officials, the flow of the game, because there's so many flags and things like that. And we're going to, Zane and I are going to start calling this our grumpy old men segment because we, <laughs> it seems like at the end of every podcast, we start complaining about things, but yeah. it's, it's true. Yeah. Like it, it's utterly infuriating to watch a game and see things like that happen. You know, what else is utterly infuriating to me is the freaking patriots i hate the patriots for a team that has nothing to do with my favorite team i hate them so much i understand like they're great and all that yeah good for them they get more breaks than any team i've seen in any in the history of sports i'm a yankees fan and the yankees get a lot of breaks (laughs) the patriots get more breaks than i've ever seen in my life and i tweet out pretty much every time it happens that bill belichick's deal with satan is still going strong because there's literally no other way to explain the breaks that they get it's utterly infuriating. And you could say, well, the two Super Bowls they lost, you know, there was the helmet catch and whatever else. I don't care. Brady should be three and five in Super Bowls right now or three and whatever he is. I don't know. <laughs> he should have lost the last two Super Bowls. If the Seahawks freaking run the ball from the one yard line and I don't know, all Kyle had to do was run the ball once on third and one and kick a field goal. They should honestly, they drive me crazy. I can't even, t- I mean, I get so frustrated with that team. I hate them so much. If they were like classy and like did things the right way I, and, and didn't cheat and have all these, you know, these dark clouds hanging over them, I'd be like, all right, yeah, you know, uh, tip my cap. But to me, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. They get every break from the tuck rule to on to this touchdown, non-touchdown crap, whatever this was last week. And it drives me crazy. It drives me absolutely crazy. I know the Niners had a long run like that. I know we've seen other teams that have really lo- ha- have had really long runs like they have. Um, but I don't know, man. And I saw some things going through Twitter too. You know, I thought this was really, really interesting. And, and I just hope it's sort of the crack in their armor and they implode because of it. The Patriots traded Jacoby Brissett as, you know, as the Colts quarterback. So I feel like they wouldn't have done that if they knew they were going to trade Garoppolo. So somebody tweeted, and I don't remember who it was. Um, I don't know if it was conspiracy theory or there was something going out there, whatever it is, but that the plan with them kind of was where, they were going to try to franchise Garoppolo next year and keep both quarterbacks or work some, out some kind of contract with Garoppolo and keep both quarterbacks. So the rumors kind of flying out there right now is that Brady didn't want that. Brady went to Kraft and Kraft went to Belichick and told him you got to get rid of Garoppolo, which is great. That benefits, if that's true, that benefited the 49ers. Great. And the reason that kind of came up is because um, I guess they just fired Tom Brady's personal health person that came with the team. I don't know who he was. Brady's a weirdo. Maybe he made his avocado ice cream. I don't know what he did, but he traveled <laughs> with the team and um, they fired him. So now there's like, oh, there's this rift. Like, why did they do that? Is Belichick mad and all this other stuff? So yeah, I just hope it's it's the first crack in the armor for the Patriots and they just go down hard. I'm so tired of them getting every break. I can't stand them. I'm done. It's it. kind of ironic though. <laughs> it's kind of ironic. The Patriots are kind of like the Yankees of football. It's kind of no, they're not. Them. <laughs> oh, sure they are. The Yankees sure are, are <laughs> beloved franchise. <laughs> or maybe, maybe in New York. York. <laughs> maybe in New York they're beloved, but uh, the rest of the country. You guys not love them? Do they not love them out there? No. Yeah, the, the, uh, the Yankees are what's everything that's wrong with with sports right now. Just building super teams all the time. Oh man, that's just. Uh, oh, I, I can't, can't even get started. <laughs> Don't 
they did that. I'll I'll buy that in two thousand and nine, and they tried to do that when they signed Giambi and all those guys. Yeah. But like their late nineties run, that was just people coming up from the farm system in good trades. Yeah, that's that kind of what we're doing was... right now too. I mean, it's not yeah. their fault. They traded for Stan. It's not their fault. Other teams aren't run well. Yeah. You know, the Yankees <laughs> are the Yankees are beloved. <laughs> only only in the state of New York and and some other states, but uh, that are close by. But uh, you make you make an interesting point about the Patriots, like. They they do get a lot of breaks. I I, I agree. I, I would argue that Seattle gets more uh, in terms of bad calls and lucky bounces and that stuff. And and I, I say that because I've seen that firsthand living in Seattle for a couple of years. But how can you how can you follow the Patriots, man, for giving the 49ers what is that's got to earn some points for you, right? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does make up a little bit. Um, I mean, they basically handed the Niners a franchise quarterback. They did. They really did. And you, you think maybe you could say, well, well, you didn't know how good Garoppolo was going to be. They've watched him in practice for years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Phil Perry told us when he was on the show um, from NBC Sports Boston that, that they loved him in the locker room. And, you know, they saw him as a guy that can take over. And they gave him to the Niners for a second round pick. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if there were other things going on there. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I got to like them a little bit more now, considering they handed a franchise quarterback to, to San Francisco. Yeah, and the, as far as the, the rules and all that stuff goes, and, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with the catch, I, I feel like it's not just it's not just the Patriots that are getting breaks and, and that are that are getting being the, the the beneficiaries of some of these really bad rules. I, I feel like it's it's kind of league wide. And did you see the end of the ending of that Raiders game when the Raiders played the Cowboys? Did you see the ending of that with the index card? With the index card and yeah. the fumble out of the end zone, like that was just yeah. that was ridiculous. Like Gene Steratore is one of the better referees in the NFL, and I can't believe. First of all, Dak Prescott got a really bad spot. I thought that they had the first down regardless, and when he pulled out that index card, I'm like, I've, I tweeted, I've never seen this in my entire life of watching football. Like it, it wasn't. Let, let's be honest, it wasn't even an index card. It was a piece of paper folded over it. They would it would it would have been short if it was an index card. Like he he took the folded end, the open end of it, and measured that end of it. And then last after the game, he made a BS excuse like, oh, well, uh, I just confirmed what I had already believed. Like, I can't believe that that actually happened. So it's just just stupid crap like that that the NFL is just just constantly doing. Like, it's just hurting the game. And the, the rule at the end of the game where Derek Carr fumbled out of the end zone I think that's that's one of the worst rules in football. Like I I don't believe it should go to the other team because nobody recovered, but I do believe that that it should be a touchback to the back to to the twenty because now you're going to get guys if they take that rule away, you're going to get guys that are that are fighting for for a touchdown and they try to extend and they try to throw the ball in the end zone or something like that and they know that they're not going to lose it. I think that there should be some sort of penalty for fumbling out of the back of the end zone, but I don't think the other team should get the ball because they didn't recover it. So it's just it's just things like that that this really irk me about the, the league, and they need to they need to address that. And they're so concerned with with their sponsors and how much commercial time happens in reviews and all this other crap. Like they need to focus on the actual rules of the game, and that needs to be revised. Like they need to have some sort of laser measuring system to measure first downs. They need to have some sort of like tennis does it all the time. You see it at Wimbledon. You see they have the 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 video replays where they have a laser that actually checks if a ball is in or, in or out. Why can't they do that for the NFL? Why can't they put a chip in the ball and put a chip on the sidelines? And if the guy gets gets a first down, it's it the chip will detect it. If not, it won't. Like we're we're back in the the 1950s with chain gangs and things like that, and and referees pulling index cards out to measure. We're in the age of technology right now. Why shouldn't they be able to use some of that technology to make the game better? It's just really really frustrating. 
what do they do in tennis? They have lasers. Yeah, yeah. So if a ball is basically like if if a, a player wants to challenge a call, they have a, a an a kind of automated system that will tell them like whether it's in or out, and they'll put a graphic up on the screen based off of like the positioning of the ball versus where the line was, and it it's it's pretty accurate, and it's it hasn't hurt tennis at all. I fa- in fact, I feel like it's made the game better. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. You watch tennis. Um, I, I, I like to watch a little bit of tennis, you know, when, when, the, yeah, yeah when, when the majors are happening, they're, they're, uh, Wimbledon and French open and all those things. I, I like to watch a little bit of tennis. And I think in the summer when there's that dead time, when there's no football and on Saturday, tennis is like the only thing on I'm like, oh, I'll watch this. I don't know that I've ever watched tennis. I'm trying to think of one time I've watched tennis. I don't think I've ever watched it, <laughs> but Hey, if they're doing laser, they, good for them, man. Maybe that'll work. Yeah, it's yeah. And that being said, Al, like I, I, a lot of Raiders fans have complained about about that that whole thing, and the the local media here is going crazy about it. And I will say that you had a chance to win the game at the end. Like you could have you could have knelt on the ball and kicked a field goal and gone to overtime. Derek Carr tried to make a play and he fumbled out of the back of the end zone. You could have won with the touchdown. The referees didn't fumble the ball. You fumbled the ball. Like when it comes down to those plays, same thing in the Pittsburgh game. They had a chance to kick the game tying field goal, and Ben Roethlisberger got greedy and tried to go for a touchdown to end it. Like you, you were shooting yourself for actual your actual game situation. Like Derek Carr, all he had to do was just go out of bounds at the one yard line, hand it to Marshawn Lynch, and then the game's over and they win. Like it's just it, it just really comes down to knowing the situation and Jack Del Rio, who's, who's never accountable for anything was blaming the officials after the, after the end of the game, surprise, surprise. Like it's just, there's, there's so many layers to that, that, you know, we can spend all day talking about it, but it starts with getting the call right. And it starts with making sure that these rules are revised to make the game less complicated. Yeah. Everybody was talking about, you know, the call in the Patriots Steelers game, but Brothersburg, that was a terrible decision. Absolutely terrible. What was he thinking? There were four Patriots there and one receiver. He just tried to throw it as hard as he could to the receiver. It was absolutely awful. Awful when all you need is three points to tie the game. Yeah, just uh, terrible by him. Terrible. Maybe that's why the Patriots win because people just do stupid things. I don't know. Maybe they are better than everybody else. I feel like they get intimidated. It's driving me crazy. I f- yeah, I feel like they get intimidated at the end of games. Like they they don't know what to do. They see Tom Brady on their side. They get they see ghosts and they start doing stupid stuff. Craziness. All right, Zane. Well. Another week, another 49ers win, and we'll see where they head from here. Again, huge measuring stick game. We'll see how the offense does. We'll see how they play against, really, what's probably one of the best teams in the NFL. So game balls. So my game ball, I, I got to give it to Jimmy G. Who else do you give it to? Like he, he was phenomenal. He was great. There was no running game to help him out. He made all the big throws. He got the 49ers down the field in three plays into field goal range at the end of the game. Just, just is is looking more and more comfortable in his offense every week. Jimmy Garoppolo had the most passing yards of his entire career last game. Uh, he was he was cerebral in the pocket, sensing pressure, able to read the defense. He was he was awesome, and and he gets my game ball for this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna give mine t- to Garrett Selleck, and the reason I'm gonna do that is because it's just it's good to see a guy who who's you know, one of the longest tenured 49ers right now, who's really starting to play well. And we're seeing the best of him now that he's got a good quarterback throwing the ball. And I'm thrilled with what he's done. He's got over 300 yards receiving this year. I believe his, th- his career high is 350, which he got last year, which he, he should be. So anytime you see a guy like that, who's starting to come into his own to me, that's huge. And when, and when he has a good game, got to throw my game ball his way. I was really proud of what Selleck did. Selleck time, baby. 
Is is salad time every week? Salad now? time. <laughs> is it time to go? Is it time to go now? And before we <laughs> before we go out, I I, I just want to say this that there's more. Oh, no, there's more. Oh, but wait, there's more. Um, All right. Uh, living here in the Bay Area, you hear a lot about the Raiders all offseason. We heard about how great the Raiders are going to be this year, how they were the measuring stick, and Derek Carr was this great franchise quarterback, and the 49ers wish they could have a franchise quarterback like him, and everybody was picking the Raiders to, to win, and the, the local media here was just drooling over them. Now, 14 weeks into this season, nobody's talking about the Raiders anymore. You know that All of the talk is about the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think it's so ironic that everybody thought that the 49ers were going to be trash this year and, and be totally lost and be totally garbage. And they thought that the, the Raiders would be elevated to this next level of like elite team. And that hasn't happened. And the irony is that the same people that were talking up the Raiders this offseason are talking up the 49ers during the season. And I think that this is just telling that from year to year, you, you don't know what your team is going to do. And you have to maintain your expectations. Like the 49ers... The, Al, they're going to get the last place schedule next year. Next year, they can make some noise. Like next year, I think is the year where they can take that next big step if they can add some pieces during the offseason. So I'm super excited to see what they do in the offseason to improve the team. And I hope they realize that they're going to get a soft schedule next year and they can potentially be, be a playoff contender if things go right. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more with everything you said. Yeah, it's, it's been um, really rough for Raiders fans because there were high expectations this season and it's been a rough year. I think, I think they need a new coach, actually, to be honest with you. But yeah. So you got any, you got anything else? No, that's that, that's all the ranting for today, man. It's it's the holidays, okay. like you know, we're we're we got a little extra for our for our listeners. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, happy holidays. Um, because we won't talk to you again until after the holidays. So give us a follow on Twitter at alsacco forty nine at zane forty ers and we will talk to you later. Merry Christmas, y'all. And for the first time since, uh, let's start again. <laughs> I don't want to start with and. Hold up, Al. We, we forgot game balls. You're, you're, you're jumping oh, we do guns. game balls. We forgot game balls. You're jumping all kinds of guns Forget here, that whole <laughs> Oh, you still there? Dang it. Do so we edit that, or do we just let it go? We'll let David figure it out. Yeah, we'll let David, uh, we'll let David figure it out. It's fine.